This week's episode of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast is sponsored by Pure Creative Apparel. From logo design to specialty clothing to branded merchandise, the team at Pure Creative Apparel can take your ideas and bring them to life. You can find out more at purecreativeapparel.com. And we thank Pure Creative Apparel for sponsoring this week's show. Welcome to the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We feature destination races from across the country. And after the race, we take you on a tour of the best local food and beverage to celebrate. So whether you are an elite runner or a back of the packer like us, you'll know the best places to accomplish, explore, and indulge on your next runcation. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We're so glad you're here. I'm Amy, of course. And I'm Dana. And this week, we have some exciting stuff. Oh, yeah. Let me yeah. tell you, what a whirlwind weekend. Woo! I, <clears throat> I leave you in charge of travel, and it's condensed into three very short days. Well, we had to make the most of the time that we had, and uh-huh. we really, really did that. Yeah. If you've been following us on social media at all, you probably know that we just got back from Lexington, Kentucky. Lexington, Kentucky for Run the Bluegrass. America's prettiest half and marathon. hilliest. We can now confirm that that is, in fact... The truth. The truth. Correct. One of the absolutely one of the hilliest courses that we've ever run and absolutely one of the most beautiful that we've ever run. It was gorgeous. It made me think about because unlike you, I am from Virginia. You are born and raised Florida cracker. I am indeed. And But I'm from Virginia. So I oh just remember cold weather and the country. Well, it was definitely that. I mean, everywhere you looked, uh, from really from the minute we touched down and driving out to our airport, there were beautiful farms and horses. And as we got close to Keeneland, which is the the uh, racing facility that this was hosted at, um, it was just amazing. Uh, the size of these farms and... Mm. You know, these are family farms that have been in the in the horse racing and horse um, breeding business for years, if not generations. Forever. And the scenery all around Keeneland and within, just beautiful. So we got out there. Uh, you know, we got to the hotel, got checked in. We had to go do uh, packet pickup and check out the expo. Yes, which was quite intense, actually. It was, I would say, I mean, it, it's one of the bigger ones we've been to apart from Disney. Yeah, it's not Disney size, but I'll tell you that they really make up for it with the quantity of their own branded merchandise. Yeah. And the quality. There's a lot. They have Columbia branded merchandise. And Nike. Yeah. And, oh, there was another one. 
Um, big names. Big names. Suffice to say. And, and arguably, I would say that, that their quality of the merchandise surpasses what we see at Disney oftentimes. Yeah. High quality. You can tell it's going to last a long time. You're, you're paying a higher dollar. Absolutely. <laughs> but the merchandise I was most interested in, we came into the expo and immediately were greeted by Woodford Reserve. I don't know if... Woodford Reserve bourbon counts not, as merchandise. It's not merchandise, but it's delicious. Oh, wait a minute. They did have special reserve bottles oh, that, yeah. that had, um, they were selected by a runner. Yes. So Des Linden, we're coming up on, I can't believe it's April already. So we're coming up on the Boston Marathon later on this month. Mm-hmm. And she won in horrible conditions last year, pouring down rain, freezing. And so they had her out last November, November 2018, at, to actually pick a bottle of Woodford Reserve and sign it, and you could pre-order it. Yeah, so um, that's one of the many very nice um Run the bluegrass branded items Woodford was providing. Um, they had cocktail kits like uh, pitcher, pitchers, mm-hmm. glass party cups, oh, often seen normally as red plastic. Yes. Um, they uh, like were doing so these glass and engraved, and um, just some fantastic uh, coffee. Oh, yes. That was aged in bourbon barrels. Ah, yes. So delightful. Especially because we were in maybe 30 or 40 degree weather. Well, it it was, I think, in the 40s and 50s the day we landed. And then we got the rain on race day, which was Saturday. Mm -hmm. And then yesterday, the... Which was Sunday. We're recording on Monday, April 1st. Um... The uh, the temperature dropped 20 degrees, so fortunately we didn't have to deal with freezing conditions on the course, but we yeah. did have some chilly weather, some wind, and drizzle. Yes, we did. But So the expo was great, yeah, suffice okay. it to say. Yeah, back to the expo. The expo was fantastic, and that was just their branded merchandise. It was like you had a pre-expo for all their branded merchandise. And there were also booths for races from around Kentucky. Yes. Uh, you know, so that's typical of what you see of an expo. Some smaller races mm-hmm. that are for charity. Mm-hmm. They also had a couple of uh, trail race. Yeah. That looked really interesting. And uh, they had some artist booths as well. Yeah. That were making some original artwork that was in Kentucky inspired. So a lot of things that were made from bourbon barrels that were recycled. Mm-hmm staves and there was a like an american flag made entirely out of the barrel staves yeah that was gorgeous Mm -hmm. and then they had some other stuff too but that was kind of the pre-expo expo expo. and then when you walked into the expo to go get either your shirt or your jacket because you can upgrade your race merchandise yeah we elected to upgrade ours we got the um the columbia jackets instead of a, a, a race shirt because Let's let's face it. I've got enough tech shirts to last me a lifetime. <laughs> we could make a quilt out of it, like we saw at one of those booths. Yep. Yeah. So we so on the way to pick up the shirt or the jacket, whatever you picked, you were greeted by there was a booth that you could make 
quilts out of your race shirts. That might be a future endeavor for us to look at. <laughs> yeah, and, and actually some more branded merchandise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had just your, I don't want to say your standard fare, but a lot of booths that were offering um, race nutrition, last minute things to pick up like sport beans, gels, and goos. Yeah, things in support of runners. Of course, uh, shoes. Um, I believe that they had Hoka, Nike. Brooks. Brooks. All sorts. So uh, they had a run run store providing that. Socks, compression sleeves, running skirts. So truthfully, anything that you might have forgotten or just wanted to go and see and and get something else for race day, they had it there. It was a really nice, um, nicely done expo. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was Friday? That was Friday. That was Friday. And then the actual race went off. Uh, we had to be there at eight, no later than eight. Yeah. After multiple email warnings by the race, uh, officials where they said, get there ahead of eight o'clock to avoid the traffic. And if you're thinking about doing this race, one thing I want to impart on everybody is believe them when they say that the Keeneland facility is enormous, but it is not designed for that massive influx of people in a very short amount of time. So mm-hmm. the, uh, the traffic backed up easily a good half mile to a mile. Mm-hmm. And we were lucky we had a, a lift that took us there. And and he was smart. He knew that there were two entrances, a couple of different entrances. So, yeah. So shout out to Uber and Lyft drivers who get you there in creative ways and who know the area. Absolutely. Yeah. So we got there and... The, the weather report said that we wouldn't experience rain on the course, but, you know, the weather, it's a, it's a forecast, but. <laughs> it's more art than science. Is that yeah. what you're saying? <laughs> I don't know. Or are you saying that meteorologist is Latin for liar? I don't think it's, no, no. I have respect for, you know, for, for, for weathermen and women. Yes. You know, a la Joe Morofsky, the weatherman. Yes. So that's I of have, American Ninja Warrior of, fame. Yeah, I have great respect for weathermen and women. It's a hard job, and even with all your scientific tools, still the weather's going to do what it's going to do. That's true, and and it did. So we were in the corrals, or they call them waves. There were seven different waves, and we were in the last wave, and we were mixed in with seven milers. Yes. And the yearling race went off before we started. And to recap, the yearling is kind of their version of a 5K, except it's 3.65 miles. Yeah. As in 365 days, hence the yearling. Um, The the seven-miler and the half marathon, and it it starts on the Keeneland property. Mm -hmm. So we, I think we were off by... We were in the last wave. We were off 9.15. Yeah, about 9.15, 9.20. Yeah. And the time limit for the seven-miler and the half, uh, three hours and 30 minutes. Yep. Yep. So, so we went off and started to run on the Keeneland property. Yeah, they take you out. Um from Keeneland out in between uh, these uh, down these roads that take you between all of these old horse farms, and I say old; they're not old and decrepit. They're old and gorgeous, uh, but 
but you're running very established between all these these horse farms and uh the the roads are just dipping and climbing and sweeping one side and the other so So it was something else maybe a few weeks before or let me just say after we registered and committed to this race yes we had friends from all these different running groups go yeah the hills have names, and there are 28 of them. Maybe seven of them have names. All right. Well, I keep hearing different numbers on I that. I don't know. Uh, it's for, first, it was there are 14 hills. Somebody actually took a screenshot of their Garmin from last year and posted it when I said that's where we were headed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Mm. I I can honestly say that whatever we were expecting – this course to be, it was not that. Um, no, the parking garage did not fully simulate, <laughs> I would say, the hills of the Run the Bluegrass course. No, you, you easily had hills that were an eighth of a mile to a quarter of a mile downhill. Uh, I mean, it looked like a 90 degree angle almost when you're heading down the hill. That was really steep. It, it was... A challenge to say the least and uh i mean and it starts off i mean you're you're getting your first taste of it in mile one yeah right away hello there's no holding back it's not like hey let's use mile one as a warm-up nope no I, and honestly i don't know that there's any part of this course that actually flattens out no well so, you know something to keep in mind as you're training i would say that if we end up going back that there's going to have to be some some changes in our training regimen for this yes. because parking decks really and the parking deck that we run gives us a good mile um if you do the, yeah. if you do the deck yeah not enough preparation for the hills no. and i will never complain about running in atlanta ever again no i think that atlanta and jeff you know we we used to say the the back part of your course was so hilly nope We've never seen hills like this. But it so. was gorgeous. It was. It when was. When they when they talk about the vistas, I mean, you're looking at these giant pastures. We've got some great video you're going to be seeing on our social media uh, mm-hmm. throughout the week. And there's one segment where there's just this, this uh, group of horses running through a field, and it's <sighs> far enough away and kind of downhill that they almost look like dogs running. But they're full-grown horses. But it looks like it's coming out of a movie or something. It's like so picturesque. It really is, and you get such a quiet course. Some oh, oh that was the thing um, when you're running this course. If you're used to running uh, courses that take you through neighborhoods, where maybe the neighbors can come out and, mm-hmm. and cheer you on. Yeah, you know, you're kind of used to that noise and people, you know, cheering and woohoo, you know, as you go. Out here, it's it's you, the other runners, and the horses. For sure, until you get to the chicken house. Yeah, there's at uh, mile three. I mean, there's don't get me wrong. There's on course support, and you have water and sword energy replenishing drink. Mm-hmm. But it's there's a chicken house. Yeah, which is where the split of the seven mile and the half happens. It's actually at mile three. Mm-hmm. But that's the point where you either make that turn to continue on the 13.1 or you go straight and you do the seven miler. Yeah. And there's there's a, a person dressed as a chicken. 
Yeah. And actual chickens in a yard and a, across and the, roosters across from that stop. And they had a water stop there too. Yeah, it was I was fun. That that part was really a lot of fun. And I think at that point in the race we had met up with uh some ladies who had were telling us about the flying pig. Oh yeah, the flying pig marathon weekend. Yeah, talking about some other races with mm-hmm. other runners. Yeah, that was great. That was great. This race weekend was I mean, I got to see Suzanne from the Extra Mile podcast group at the Expo. Hey, Suzanne. And her recommendations, which you will hear about all throughout the eating and drinking portion of our show, they were spot on. They really incredible. were. And then Sherry, uh, who I'm, who we're friends with on Instagram, mm-hmm. she she met up with us too because apparently she lived in Lexington for long time and she was coming back to run the bluegrass and visit with some friends and family and um i i've never had a meetup before so that was super exciting it was nice to put faces with yeah um screen names yes <laughs> yes we didn't see them well suzanne didn't do the race she just came out to visit us and give us a lovely gift nothing says good luck like uh, four roses yeah, and bourbon balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, I mean, to get pictures with other runners and things like that. We didn't, we didn't see Sherry on the course. She's super fast. So, yeah. and we're not, <laughs> and we're not, we're quite slow. So no, uh, we're, we're getting the most, the most of, of our the race, race entry, entry fee. fee. Yeah. So, as my shirt says. Yeah. So he wore that shirt and we have that shirt. If that is, we got a lot of compliments on that shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad we have it up on the store on the website. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. But I was glad so. that I had it on because that was keeping some people laughing um, yes. around that, uh, that three mile mark where um, mm. there were several people that were making, making decisions and making some strategic plan changes all yeah. of a sudden. And that, actually includes us it includes us because we lost the the back of the pack pacers the uh they didn't have balloons but they were like in essence the this is the end of the line we are the you have to keep up with us or you are going on the seven miler and you were doing it and i we got talking and yeah i was keeping up with them and i said how's the knee holding up but after the first couple of hills in that first three miles, I, I just said, I don't think if I do this, it's going to be at the end of the race, a positive celebratory experience. <laughs> Translation is that Dana would be soloing it around Lexington and you all would be hearing me talk for a good half hour, and 40 minutes. And pictures today. of him and video of him on social media eating and drinking because I would be at home, well, back at the hotel. Icing. Yeah. Icing, elevating. I think that it would have just killed. Well, this, uh, it was kind of fortuitous. I mean, we mentioned the, the DNF last episode and you know what to do about that in this particular race though they give you the option i mean we registered for the half marathon so Mm -hmm. yeah we paid the premium for running those extra miles sure but there's no penalty for finishing or or making that choice to go and do the seven miler instead of the half so all we had to do was keep going straight and we were on that other course for the seven mile. And For we're the not the mile. only ones that did it. And I like no. 
very much that there is that option. It is not just the half or you're getting on a bus and you're going to go to the end of the line. I understand that. I understand races that have to do that. Sure. But it, it was just what's nice about Run the Bluegrass, if you come to do it, is you have that kind of option. Yeah, and there were a lot of people that I think were in the same boat as us where they underestimated the hills. Yeah. They didn't quite know what they were getting themselves into. And that, I freely admit, that was us. <laughs> or they might have registered, you know, months ago, and then they might have fallen victim to some kind of injury. Injury or just failed to train or whatever the case may be. I mean, there's any number of reasons why. But the fact of the matter is you were able to go and complete that race mm-hmm. and do the seven miler instead and still be able to actually enjoy Lexington after the fact. Yeah. And the after party at the end of the race. Yes. So you end up back at Keeneland Mm -hmm. and they have, as you're coming off the course, they probably have the best post race snack bag. Oh my God. That I've ever seen because I didn't have, uh, any problem with the food that was in there. They had uh, chips. They had a little granola bar. So you had a little something salty, a little something sweet. Um, they had those little gummy fruits. Little, Yep, the little too. Welch's gummies. Mm-hmm. And then as you're walking with your bag. Twix. They, you can't forget that they had Twix. I had a 100 grand bar in mine. Oh, you did? I did. They know me and love me because I love Twix. Oh, my goodness. And that was in my bag. But. Oh, hey, and that was not it either because I would say maybe 10, 15 feet from the finish before we even crossed, we got a Reese's peanut butter egg. They were actually, yeah, uh, they were handing them out before, before you even you cross. cross. <laughs> so you're getting Reese's eggs before you cross. That was you're great. Cross, you get that bag, and then they're walking you through so you know how you normally get done with a race, and you're doing, oh, you know, here's your water, here's a Gatorade, here's a banana. Well, they hand you this bag full of little snack goodies, and mm-hmm. then they're walking you to a table where there's just hundreds of glazed donuts. Wonderful. And magical. Again, y'all have seen me go for the donuts here on the show before. Oh, they were so good. They were outstanding. So I am a big believer in the post-race donut now. And we got chocolate milk too. Yep. Chocolate milk is a post-race recovery drink, which was really nice. And then that that's not even the party. That's just coming right off the finish line. Right. So then you get out there to the post-race party. They had uh, a mobile stage set up with live band. Yes. And the band was really good. The band was really good. I wasn't familiar with them, and I don't remember who. Like, we were there when they were playing. They were mid-song, so we had no idea who they were. Right. And so I don't know if anybody knows who they are. You could shout them out when we post the episode. I've got a little little video of them, so hopefully so. You know, we won't get a a uh, takedown notice, but we'll share a little bit of that. Yeah. So they were playing, they were really good. And we had our medals. We had, um, beer tickets. Yes. On your bib, you actually get a ticket for a beer and they had a couple of tents set up. 26.2. 26.2 brewing and ethereal brewing. Ethereal, which is what we took advantage of. Yes. Mm. And they had a beer called recovery. And we both had, a recovery beer. Yes. And it was quite good. It had vanilla. It was a lager. I believe was it was. It? Uh, I believe it was a lager. Um, yeah. It was and, very light. And 
brewed with vanilla beans. So it was vanilla. So it's not your typical. I mean, it is in terms of its body and things like that. But yeah, I didn't think there was really um, that. That was not a common beer. I mean, it, it. You certainly can get vanilla flavored beers and all that, but they. <laughs> I, this was purpose brewed or purpose made for this event. I think mm. so. Uh, you know, it was. Uh, definitely worth drinking it's something i would actually order yeah if we were out to dinner sure i would i would get that in a heartbeat so i would i would do so and then from there we had or we took a walk around just to see what was there and they had um a couple of food trucks yeah uh red state Red State, which we'll talk about a little later. They had a food truck out there. Yeah. So we didn't partake there because we knew we were going to go have their barbecue later. We got photos inside of the racing gates. Yes. Which is different. Yeah. The actual gates for the horse races they have set up and you could actually get in the gate and get your photo right there in the Keeneland gates. Yeah. That was cool. I mean trying to get up there even after just seven miles you don't realize how tall they are by watching a horse race on tv i'm not ashamed it took me like a minute (laughs) and getting down was interesting fine that's good but i made it and that's the point (laughs) so we had to had a little bit of post-race fun there yeah and then uh anything else to really cover about the post-race I just think it was cool, and it was cool to meet fellow runners. Let me tell you who inspired me. Oh, I know who you're going to say. Yeah. There was, when we were on the race course, I don't know what mile it was, but it was a super... Steep downhill. Steep hill. And we saw a, a wheelchair racer come by us, like fly by us on a flat part yeah he had a a bicyclist uh support person come ahead of him telling everybody on your left and clearing the path path. and he came flying past us he was doing the half yeah yeah and he finished the half and he it's interesting to see like he'll fly on that um flat portion before you get to the hill Mm -hmm. and then you'll you see how hard he has to work with his upper body and man, the muscles on that guy. That was, I mean, inspiring. So when we saw him at the post-race party, we had to get a picture with him because all that work, all of that upper body strength and just, I mean. And he was, was racing. Strong. He was. And he was racing for a charity. Was uh, he? That was the Permanently Disabled Jockeys yeah. Fund. Yeah. It was just really neat. And he was a great guy to meet. And we yes. talked with him for a bit. Yeah. Um, I'll show you a picture of him, too. Then uh, we got out of there to try to beat uh, beat the crowd as uh, the, the party started clearing out. Yes. And so we were successful yep. in so. getting back to the hotel and getting cleaned up so that we could explore and indulge in Lexington. And let me tell you guys, we... Could not believe how much Lexington had to offer. Uh, there's so much that we we ended up doing over the the latter part of that day and yesterday. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have tons of stuff to show you throughout the week on our social media channels. Yes. And you know, please check out those um, 
Facebook posts, Twitter posts, Instagram, and then we'll have some some quick bites coming up in the feed as well. But there was so much that we wanted to check out, so we actually started to explore food and beverage options options on uh, Friday. But we were smart about it. Yes, we, we did learned not. from our mistakes on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> we did not overly indulge, but we wanted to try as many things as we could so that we could bring them to you in case you're considering going to do this race next year or any other race that is hosted in the Lexington area. Yes. So we headed to Smithtown Seafood. Yes. Which is attached to West 6th Brewing. Once I heard about this place and we started looking at it, there was there were a couple of things that jumped out at me on the menu. And the first were... Fried banana pepper rings. Yum. I've, I mean, I like banana pepper rings on a sub sandwich, like a or Greek salad, or Greek salad. But it they are tart and it just they add a whole bunch of flavor for whatever. But I'd never seen them as an appetizer, though. No, I didn't even know how it was going to turn out, like how they look. But they, I mean, they literally are just slicing these peppers into rings. Mm. They're marinating them in buttermilk. Nice. They're dredging them in Weisenberger seasoned cornmeal. So it's local. Which is a local company. And serving it with a killer smoked tomato ranch sauce. Oh, that was so good. I mean, you got so much smoky tomato flavor from that dipping sauce. And the fried banana pepper rings, they were crunchy. Oh, very much so. That that cornmeal breading was killer. Stood up, didn't fall apart. Didn't fall off. No. It was that tartness built up over time. And the crunchiness of the breading. And it actually, um, the it like the salty flavor built up over time the more we had. Yeah, they, they do not skimp on the portions here. I, I think... That two or three people could split that. More than two. Yeah. Because we couldn't finish it. Yeah. So, so, like three, four people at the table. Easily. Yeah, that's money. Easily. I love. I loved that. And then I got oh. what looked just amazing uh, in the description, and it turned out to be just as amazing in person, was their Kentucky Proud Catfish and Weisenberger Cheese Grits. Cheese Grits. And these were a a uh, coarse ground, um, not dry, but less soupy. It's not like a cream of, of wheat consistency like that. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think it's like it's that it's a drier consistency but still creamy from the cheese yes so and they the the fish was grilled um it was just tender if you and i some people don't know about catfish you know they're like oh i can't eat catfish it's a it's a bottom feeding fish these catfish are usually farm raised and freshwater catfish are absolutely good to eat and it's a southern delicacy and it's very common to see it um, breaded in cornmeal and fried. Oh, yeah. This happened to be and if they had done that I would have I would have been over the moon, but <laughs> this this was phenomenal the way it was. I have no complaints at all. You would have been super full. Oh, it had to wheel me out of there. Yeah. Yeah. And I had 
the Singapore shrimp wrap, the Singapore shrimp wrap, which was the shrimp, and you can get it fried, blackened, or just grilled. And it came with lettuce, sweet and spicy pickled slaw, cilantro, basil, crispy fried onions, crushed peanuts, rice noodles, sprouts, and a soy ginger soy vinaigrette and a whole wheat tortilla. So it's basically like a like a Asian noodle dish put into In a, a wrap. wrap. Yeah. And what I loved about the wrap was how many different textures there were. Oh yeah. You know, the crunchiness of the I got the shrimp fried. I got the shrimp fried, but it mm, it was like cornmeal just like the the banana pepper rings were. And the basil, the cilantro, the crunchiness of the peanuts, the rice noodles. I mean, uh, there wasn't a bad thing in that wrap. Your, your mouth's watering right now. I can't, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And what's cool about this place <laughs> is they're doing... Uh, this, this whole building has, is almost like a co-op of these other neat ideas and one of the things that they do is they have this program there called food chain Mm -hmm. and if you've ever gone to epcot and you see their hydroponic garden like if you ride that living with the land yeah and see that backstage stuff and you see what they're actually doing where they're growing um their vegetables hydroponically and the water that they're using is actually coming from the fish tanks where they're raising fish to serve in the restaurants. And that is exactly what they're doing here. Mm. So they're, they're not able to grow everything that they serve, but they're able to grow a lot of it. And they're able to serve a lot of fish that they're, Mm -hmm. I think they said they harvest about 20 fish a week from their tanks. Um, And it's just kind of a neat thing that they're doing. Um, Very unique. Yeah. Just all the way around. And it was delicious. And it was delicious. And the, the, the I think this is the standout is what you're about to talk about. Well, because... Because I made it when we got home. It's <laughs> Well, you're trying to reproduce it. I am. So that is the black eyed pea salad. Now, my wrap typically would come with fries, but when we saw black eyed pea salad, black eyed peas, oh, what a southern dish. Absolutely. And when we saw it, because of Southern Roots and because of what we used to eat at home when our parents would cook for us, we just said we both ordered it instead of fries with our with our meals. Or you got it added to yours. I did. I, right? I, I had to have it. And I wasn't disappointed. Oh. Like I said, I'm trying to recreate it here. So when he tried to recreate it, he tried to include everything that was in that dish, which was... The black-eyed peas themselves, yeah, we, we had cucumber, tomato, and then the only thing that you didn't put in the one here is the roasted red peppers. Right, I went with red onion instead. Yeah, and it, it was all in a vinaigrette, it seemed like. They had a vinaigrette, I'm just doing it with vinegar. Yeah, and it wasn't like the ginger soy vinaigrette that we had in the shrimp wrap. This was a whole different ball game. Right. So, it was... I mean, you know how... And it's served cold, I guess. Yeah. We should make sure that that's understood. It's a mm-hmm. cold dish. It's a cold dish. It's a cold salad. So I, I, I loved it. I, the beans, the... Uh, well, the black-eyed peas, they reminded me of beans. Yeah. 
um, with their consistency. Like when when we would have just like black beans and rice, maybe, mm-hmm. but they're not overly mushy. It doesn't create almost a refried bean consistency. It's no, not, they it's didn't, not like that. They didn't overdo it. No, but they're but they still had that kind of creamy inside. So I think that was killer. That I think was absolutely the the standout uh, mm-hmm. dish that we got there. But what this place is, it shares the space with uh, West Sixth Brewing. Mm-hmm. So you go in, you order at the counter, they give you a number, mm-hmm. and then you go into the brewery, and it's it's all one big building, and they just have a doorway separating them. And we bellied up to the bar. We bellied and, up to the bar. And we'll talk about the when we get to the drink portion, but um, you got to eat in the brewery from the restaurant next door, which was super cool. Yeah, that was great. But there was other food. Yes, that is not the only place we ate because we were there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, so we had to eat meals. So we checked off the, the <laughs> seafood. We checked the seafood box. We checked the seafood box, but Kentucky, you... Anywhere in the South, you got to hunt out and try out barbecue. It, it really is a must. And it's not like if you've had one barbecue spot, you've had them all. No. Uh, barbecue is a very regional thing. Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference in the preparation as well as the sauces. Oh. So do yourself a favor. If you're coming through the Southern United States... By all means, sample a little bit of barbecue in, from every Everywhere. state because you're going to find something different. Yeah. And we found something really different, really unique at a little place called Red State Barbecue. Red State Barbecue, it's like right off of I-75. He said it's about two miles off of I-75. Yeah. But it is directly across the street from another one of those humongous and beautiful horse farms. And it had... um a motel like right in the same parking lot. Yeah, don't don't let that scare you off. It's it's a little one-story motel like you might see in a in a movie, but yeah. Just don't worry about that. The barbecue is well worth it and the view looking at the horse farm across the street is beautiful. Amazing. It's beautiful. They get I think they get tourists, they get all locals they get it from everywhere yeah uh, he said that Traffic. they get uh, they get it uh, both ways so mm-hmm. locals and tourists and even people coming from out of the country oh um from Can- our canadian and you brothers can and sisters. tell that because when you walk in you see that people have signed the walls and the ceiling everywhere it, it's something else yeah it, it is not what you're expecting when you walk in uh, visually it's, it's unique, but their food, let me just tell you, we tasted our way around this menu and wow. Um, just starting with an appetizer, um, beer cheese is a very popular thing in Kentucky. That's a very, um, Kentucky native item. And they do theirs differently than I think I've had any beer cheese ever before. Normally, you know, if we order like a like pretzels and cheese dip, it, you mm. you can typically expect the pretzel's going to be, you know, a, a variant on on a, a regular pretzel where you'll have the the, the big chunks of uh, 
salt, and a warm cheese dip. Mm. This was not the case here. I am telling you, the cheese dip was cold. It was a cold and very sharp mm-hmm. cheddar. Um, it reminded me, and I think you agreed, it reminded me almost of those really extra sharp cheese logs that you would get at the holidays as a kid. And his secret ingredient, which we're not going to give away, is a particular type of beer that he puts in it. But the flavor that it imparts to this spicy dip is just fantastic. And his take on the pretzels. They're not covered in that coarse salt. They're not. It's because the cheese is spicy enough, you don't need it. No. And the pretzels are just, they're smaller. They're not, it's not like a humongous pretzel like you'd see at Annie Ann's pretzels. It's like pretzel fingers. Yeah. They're small and warm and soft inside. And then the outside is not super crispy. But it's got that nice crust. It's got it's got a crust, but it's not tough, right? Which is great, right? And super dippable. Mm-hmm. So that was a great way to start off. Yeah, you went with ribs. I did. Oh, and a lot of the time when you order ribs, I ordered a half rack of ribs, and it, it the bark is sometimes just so tough. So, But this... The meat's dried out. Yeah. And- but this was so the opposite of that. That was nice, soft... It was soft bark and tender, perfectly cooked meat that just you did not have to fight with the rack of ribs to get it apart to eat it. It was amazing. But it's flavor. but it still had a, enough bite to it where it wasn't just sheathing off the bone. No, it didn't fall apart, so you didn't have that problem. Also, it was just perfect, just perfect. He was doing amazing sides there too. His oh, corn pudding. That was we both got that. I grew up eating um, corn pudding as a kid. Yeah, and. Again, when you hear pudding, a lot of people think jello. And no, this is more like a corn casserole. So you have that creamy, eggy um, base that, you know, bakes up and is is semi firm. And then it's got the kernels of corn in it that just burst with flavor when you're biting into it and chewing. So fresh. It it was just absolutely one of the best things we had while we were there. It was. I just want it right now. Do yourself a favor if you go there. Get, get the corn it. pudding. Get it. But mm-hmm. the most unique thing that we had while we were there might have been the wings. You don't expect a barbecue joint to be serving buffalo wings. And to call these buffalo wings might be a little bit disingenuous, but... I would say this is like the, uh, what I call it, the love child of barbecue and buffalo. That is what you called it. It's not your typical Frank's hot sauce. And I love Frank's hot sauce. I do. She does, folks. She puts Frank's hot sauce on everything. I do. I love it. it. I love it. I want it all the time. 
But this was just the perfect marriage of barbecue flavor and buffalo flavor. It really was. So good. So, so good. The wings are smoked and mm. then fried to order. So you're you're getting a smoked wing with a tossed in a phenomenal sauce that's both sweet and tart, mm. spicy. Uh, absolutely killer. I mean, there was a wide range of sauces on the table for the barbecue, but this, the what what the wings were tossed in, amazing. They really were so good. And then what else? Oh my gosh, we we had we sampled so much. I d- oh, we did. Like, that sampler platter also had uh, uh, so, uh, it was a red hot, not to be confused right. with hot wing. No, or candy. Yeah, or candy. Yeah, <laughs> a red hot link. So this was uh, their their uh, recipe was a very finely ground uh, mm. pork, red hot, spicy it, pork sausage. Yeah, so it had a smoother kind of bite, and it wasn't super hot, like. You, you could have the entire link and it wouldn't be heat that was so built up that you would just be kind of going, oh, my God, get me some milk afterwards. No, no, no. It's, it wasn't like that. It was a smooth consistency. And I would say that when, when David came and talked to us about it, who is the owner at Red State, he said it's about a five on a scale of ten. And I'd say that's about right. Yeah. If you don't have to be a, a major spice head, but no. it, and if you are, you'll enjoy it. Mm. But it's not going to knock your socks. It's not going to blow your doors off, knock your socks off, whatever the case may be. Whatever that, whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. But the the other sausage was a very coarse ground andouille. Oh. So you had this contrast of the textures and flavor, mm. and just so good. Yeah, I, I just, you know, like we had to try so much because it all looked amazing. It really did. And I mean, the and and, and yes, they had uh, smoked chicken, which was fa- almost fall off the bone tender. Mm-hmm. And the mark of a place that knows how to do chicken, I've said it before, but is the breast. Yeah. Because the breast is not very forgiving if you overcook it and it becomes dry, or mm. if you undercook it, you're you're hating life. Right. Um, and they nail it at Red mm-hmm. State. Absolutely oh. nail it. So you have this great, perfectly juicy breast as well as perfectly cooked dark meat, because they they bring you a half chicken on that uh, on that serving, and then they are not afraid to give you a little tour of flavors from around the country in different uh, regions. Oh, you mean like with the sauces? With the sauces. Ooh-hoo-hoo. So there is a North Carolina spicy vinegar that's not really like a sauce. It's more like a vinegar. This is where we might start a fight with some people because there are a lot of folks that will say that uh, North Carolina vinegar sauce is not barbecue sauce. But I, th- I thought it was wonderful. I had it on the ribs, and I thought it was an incredible sauce. I am a sauce person. I love to try all the different sauces that come with any entree. 
but the name of the Alabama one, the Alabama show horse. Oh, wait, back up. Back oh, up. no. The North Carolina spicy vinegar was a family recipe. <gasps> yes, yes. Uh, David told us, David told us that his wife came up with that recipe. Well, hats off to her because yeah. it is fantastic. Mm, so it yep. adds that, so... that spicy tart kick to your, your meat that's just, mm-hmm. if you've never had it, it's absolutely worth giving it a try because each regional barbecue has its own appeal. But now to the show horse, because this might have been my favorite of the of the day. Well, Alabama is known for what having a mayonnaise based barbecue sauce. Again, I know some people out there are saying that's sacrilege, but you've just got to have an open mind and realize that you can make barbecue sauces in many different ways, and that white Alabama white sauce is just great, totally unique, yeah, and fantastic. And he had a neat spin on it. It it was great. It was, and with the ribs, it was phenomenal. And he was putting a, a, a little bit of horseradish to give it yes. a little something extra that... Like a kick. You, you weren't expecting, and you certainly wouldn't expect from a barbecue sauce. It, and I, he said he was a big fan of horseradish, and so am I. I, I love to have horseradish inside of sour cream. So this this mayonnaise and horseradish combination, just awesome. And of course, you have a South Carolina mustard base. Oh, that was great! Which Very is tangy. Usually, my favorite. I well, I love that and the spicy vinegar. So that. So yeah. the Virginia girl is really a Carolina girl when it comes to barbecue. I guess. But your favorite was Alabama. Uh, it was yeah. this time. Yeah. And he also had another one that he uh, called Taproom Fire. And this is, as he deci- as he described it, it was a suicide mixture of his other sauces um, because he used to own a tap room that caught fire. <laughs> and uh-huh. he, was, he was giving it a little bit of a tribute yeah. in the naming of the sauce. And that one is just sweet and spicy and has a little bit of bourbon in it from the uh, he had a bourbon based sauce as well that mm-hmm. uh, was just phenomenal so they're making their own sauces there which you know i mean if you're doing really good barbecue you're going to be making your own sauces and they are we're doing a great job at representing these different regional differences mm-hmm. in the way barbecue is presented yeah it's you can take a tour of the South barbecue. You could. Style. And then the piece de resistance. Well, I mean, everything was amazing. Everything was amazing, but bread pudding. Again, don't think jello when you hear pudding if you've never had bread, bread pudding. Bread pudding. This is almost like a a bread casserole with like a custard. Like a custardy base, base and fruit. Yeah. Peaches. Peach bread pudding and uh, they'll put ice cream with it. But really, you could have it, I mean, on its own. It's sweet. I mean, I ha- I've got like brown sugar flavors and just, oh my Those cooked peaches, which were just so and soft. And sweet. And sweet. But not too sweet. Right. And just... But the the bread pudding was not t- soupy. It was not 
like it, it still had it stood up to the fruit. So uh, it was delicious. It really was. So yeah. we've now checked the box for barbecue. barbecue. If you're in the Lexington area, you need to head out to enjoy the drive out there, look mm. at the beautiful countryside, and then get yourself some barbecue at Red State Barbecue. Yes, yes. So we had, I mean, that was a great dinner. It was. It was a great dinner. But, but yesterday. We, we also had a great breakfast at Windy Corner Market, which was, it felt like in the middle of nowhere. Also, a, a really nice drive out. You're driving out into horse farm country again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this place sits at a crossroads. Surrounded by beautiful horse farms. Yes. And it was so cold that morning. We needed some really great hot coffee and a hot breakfast to warm us up. We really did. And when we say it was cold, like I said, we're recording this on the first. So yesterday's when we 35 degrees, 35 degrees, 35 degrees. So I had, I, I had to get a breakfast that reminded me of childhood so I got the sausage, egg, and grit breakfast, and I asked for a side of their sausage gravy to go along with it. And? And it was awesome. I mean, the sausage was spicy, but not too... It, I mean, it had all the breakfast spices that you would expect. So a lot of the sage and... Mm-hmm. Now, oh, okay, so this was a... Yours was a sausage patty as opposed patty, to a Patty, not link. a link. Yeah, it was a patty and not a link. And the gravy that came as the side had bits of the sausage like that. Okay, I got to chime in on the gravy. Okay. <laughs> that gravy was so smooth. It was. Not um, gritty at all. Not gritty. It, it Growing up, when my mom would make it, and she was from Georgia, she called it milk gravy. And it was really kind of the base for what a lot of people would make as sausage gravy. Yeah. Um, but just the way that she prepared it, she didn't crumble the sausage up. She would always serve the sausage on the side. Oh. And, uh, but that flavor yeah. is probably the closest thing I've ever had to my mom's um, milk gravy growing up as a kid. It was stellar, and the biscuit that came as a side, along with the sausage and eggs, so warm and soft and I just I tore off pieces in the gravy mm-hmm. oh it was so good it was just like a piece of childhood so good and the grits were like a coarse that that coarse ground like we not soupy not soupy not it, it's it's not again not that cream of wheat style or like really watered down it was mm, delicious goodness i saw them coming out on a platter and when i ordered my breakfast i got the same uh, side i ended up yeah. getting a side of grits as well but i went totally different yeah what you got was super unique and enormous mm. let me tell you if you are hungry this is the place to come i ended up noticing while we were looking on the menu, they had a number of po'boy sandwiches. Mm -hmm. And they did this po'boy that just jumped right out at me. And this was an oyster po'boy for breakfast. So So unusual. You're seeing 
bacon and egg and fried oysters with lettuce and tomato, and they had their own, uh, basically I would call it a remoulade on, on the sandwich, uh, their sauce on it. And I'm expecting, you know, a little bit of scrambled egg, you know, a handful of, of, of oysters and you know, maybe a couple of strips of bacon. This, huge. this thing was a three-egg omelet on a sandwich. Are you sure it was just three eggs because it looked huge? It, I, I think it was probably three eggs. Okay. And it it was enormous, and it was gorgeous. And these oysters that they had prepared were breaded in some of that cornmeal that we were talking about before, and they were just perfectly cooked, juicy, not tough, Mm. Not gritty, which is, again, some people who don't know how to prepare uh, oysters will make that mistake and they won't clean them properly. And they were perfect. These were perfect. I would wager that they probably were were, um, marinated in buttermilk also. A lot of times that's done to to tenderize them. Um, But this was just such a fantastic combination. So you had a little bit of that that taste of the sea from from the oyster, the crunch from the... Um, the the crusty bread that it was served on, as well as the the cornmeal that it, the oysters were battered in, mm. the smokiness from the bacon, and then the freshness from the lettuce and tomato, and a little bit of tartness from the remoulade. I that sandwich, I, I literally ate every bit of it and regretted nothing. I mean, it was fantastic. Hey, we forgot about the scone that we had. Oh, I didn't forget. You did not forget. I was going to say, we we. Had to wait about 25 minutes for our food. They were a little running a little bit behind. This place gets packed. It's rocking. It's like it's like somebody's quaint little house. And if it's amazing to me how busy that place got, and quaint it's because it's in the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere. So we decided hey, we're going to grab a scone and split that while we're waiting for our breakfast to come out. Mm. And we happened to notice they had a savory scone in the case: ham, country ham, and chive. chive. And cheddar. And they warmed it up and brought it out with butter. And it was roughly the size of a... Like a small side plate. uh, Yeah, it was the size of the whole plate. Well, yeah, like, you know, plates that... Not not a full-size dinner plate, but you would... Like a bread plate. Like a bread plate. And the ham flavor was... it wasn't salty, but you could tell it was country ham. It wasn't overly salty. And the onion flavor and the cheese. And the, the scone was just like fall apart good. It really was. A <sighs> little bit of butter and just all that flakiness of the scone. So Delicious. We had an absolutely phenomenal breakfast. Oh, so again, yes. if you're coming to that area and you need to scratch the breakfast itch, that is where to go. I know that some hotels offer a, a free breakfast in the morning. Do yourself a favor. Just grab coffee, get in the car, head out to the Windy Corner Market, and get yourself breakfast there. You are Make not going to regret it. And it's such a beautiful drive and mm-hmm. such a beautiful place to go out and, and just enjoy your morning. Yeah. Yeah. But we have one more box to check. Great Mexican food. Because when I think great Mexican food, I think Kentucky. No, you don't. I do now. You don't. Well, or you didn't. I didn't. Yeah. But I do now. But you do now. 
because this little place, it has only been open, what, eight months? Eight months. It's a little spot about, um, what, maybe half a mile off of the UK campus. Oh, yeah. And Poppy's, if I haven't said the name, Poppy's Mexican Restaurant and Bar. And, oh, my God goodness it is so colorful in there and they have it's it's very small it's tiny and it's an upstairs spot that's Mm -hmm. kind of in the like i said it's about half a mile off the campus so you're in an area where you have restaurants and bars that Mm -hmm. are probably servicing the campus and the and the the uh, college student population students and the faculty and staff Mm -hmm. yeah but this place it's so it was so colorful and we got an appetizer based on a recommendation from the owner, Marcos, because he said it was his original creation that he added to the menu. And I know I'm going to butcher the name. Cazuela, Cazuela de Rajas Pablanas. That is Mexican for delicious. Okay. It's a creamy sauce of queso fresco, sautéed onion, poblano peppers, and it's served with tortillas that you can use for dipping, or you can have what they call on the menu, messy tacos. Yeah, and it it is served in this little clay crock that (laughs) everything's put into and then baked. And then it's topped with these big, long strips of the queso fresco. And the queso fresco is kind of like a... Best way to describe it, I guess, would be almost like maybe um, a Mexican mozzarella or feta. It's not quite as it's like between the two. Yeah, I it's guess. not quite as stretchy as mozzarella, or and melt. it's not quite as salty and dry as a feta. Oh. But it doesn't quite melt all the way down. But it was so because it stands up to the poblano. The poblano is a larger pepper. Larger pepper, low on the heat scale, so you don't get a lot of Scovilles in that pepper, but you get a lot of flavor. You do. You get a lot of that waxy, peppery flavor. And I I don't know. I never asked him if they roasted the poblanos before they put them in the whole appetizer, but it's it seemed like seemed like they did. But I mean, a smoky flavor. But that may have just gotten soft from the from the baking as well. Maybe. If oh wait! You, you said smoky flavor. Well, we we didn't even mention their just of all the things their house salsa. While we were waiting for this amazing concoction that everybody should have when you come to Poppy's, ah, uh, oh my gosh, the salsa, their house salsa with their chips. Mm. The house salsa has chili de arbo, and it is just this fantastic bright fresh red uh, almost um, almost smooth yeah salsa. it's not chunky it's not chunky but it's full of flavor everything just screamed fresh there mm, which was like great onion flavor that oh, i just and, and then the peppers i don't think i've ever had a salsa knowingly that had that type of pepper in it no Right? No, I I don't think so either. I don't know. It was it wasn't the same kind of smokiness that you would get from oh. say a chipotle pepper. This That's was a little different. more subdued. Yeah, it's different. It's and milder. not as hot. Yeah, it's a milder pepper. 
And then we asked, uh, we asked him, we said, hey, so what is your most popular dish or the thing that you would like people to, to know about? Know about? Yeah. What do you want us to talk about? What should we get? And he said, well, unexpectedly, I had no idea how popular they would be, but they're the most popular thing on the menu, the street tacos. And if, if you're not familiar, um, you know, typically street tacos, you'll see like a double-layered, smaller tortilla. Corn. Corn tortilla. Corn tortilla. So that's really the only way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, I'm, for me, it's almost like a, a religious war. Um, you know, uh, some people talk about cilantro being you know, good or not good. I say that it's, it's good, and if you don't think so, you're wrong. Same goes for corn versus flour tortillas in my book. It's always corn. Unless, unless you've got a a reason for having that extra flexible flour tortilla. Just Mm. saying. Like depending on the filling you get? Yeah, exactly. Okay. But these, you had a choice of filling. And I got the beef barbacoa on his recommendation. And I got the chorizo. And I ended up going for something that was a little bit different. I ended up going with the hibiscus flower. That is unusual. I've never seen that on a menu. Yeah. Well, I regret nothing. It was amazing. They make a tea out of this hibiscus flower, and then he found a recipe that he could use to mm. grill these these soaked hibiscus with herbs and spices and then use those as a vegetarian filling. And he was actually very, very uh, proud of the fact that they had some good vegan and vegetarian options for people. But packed with flavor. Oh my gosh. That's the thing. You really have to, if you're going to eat vegan or vegetarian, you've got to make up for it with, uh, with flavor. Oh, so good. And then the carnitas. I mean, Come on. The the beef. Slow braised pork. And the pork. The beef and the pork, because I try we tried each other's tacos. Oh, packed with flavor. Packed with flavor. And, I mean the chorizo might have been my favorite of the two. But that's because I love chorizo. Well, and, and they make their own chorizo. Yeah. Again, this place is doing things right and they're doing it fresh and they're taking that extra step to spice and mix and grind their own chorizo for their own dishes. And then what I thought was really unique was the you know, side, the side, the side. <laughs> I, usually you get like what refried, you get a choice of what refried, refried or, black, or beans. black beans when you go to a Most typical Mexican, Mexican restaurant. But this is not typical. This is charros bean soup. I don't, I don't know. The best thing I could, or the closest thing I could describe it, would be like a Spanish bean, bean soup, soup yeah. but with a Mexican flair. Mm-hmm. And it was just flavorful, smoky. It had ham, uh, seasoned broth. Um, just fantastic. That, that broth had such rich flavor. It really did. It reminded me of when we go to that place in Orlando, Tutango. Or to the Columbia for their Spanish bean soup. Or to the Columbia for their Spanish bean soup because both of them do that rich, hearty broth right. Full of spice, full of flavor. Awesome. So 
If you are heading up to the Lexington area for this race or for any other reason, we've given you some phenomenal options, whether you want to go uh, for something that maybe is a little out of the ordinary. If you're, you're thinking you know, the South and you want to go with killer Mexican food, Mm. or if you're looking for an awesome breakfast spot um, at the Windy Corner Market, Mm -hmm. or if you are wanting that true Southern experience for uh, barbecue, you now know to head out to Red State Barbecue. Or Or great seafood option from Smithtown Seafood. Absolutely. Mm. So we've definitely given you guys some amazing options to try the next time you are in the Lexington, Kentucky area. Well, before we go on, I'm going to take a minute to tell you all about our friends at Pure Creative Apparel. Anybody can silkscreen a shirt. Look, we know it's true. I, I did it as a project in high school. But the team at Pure Creative Apparel is really much more than that. They will take you through the entire process to create your custom items right from the very beginning with the design of your artwork or company logo Then create mock-ups to show you what the finished product will look like and help you select just the right high-quality name-brand clothing or other merchandise on which you're going to place your artwork or your logo. And then they'll get you your items fast. Or if you're not looking to get into the whole online sales thing and you don't want to worry about inventory, packaging, shipping, and all of that, Pure Creative Apparel has a complete e-commerce package available. So whether you're a school, church, or club needing just a few shirts for a special event or a company looking for a complete branding package, Pure Creative Apparel can help. Find out how by going to purecreativeapparel.com. And we really thank them for their support of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. Well, it was not all about eating. Or running. We also had some pretty amazing beverages while we were in the Lexington area. And the first stop was West 6th Brewing. Yeah, we mentioned on Friday when we arrived in, we had to go get some food. So we had that killer seafood. And while we were sitting there, Mm. we walked on over to the brewery and bellied up to the bar and had our food and some tasty beverages while we were having our food. We had flights. Yes. We had, and I mean, there were so many original beers. It was hard to choose, but we tried to get a variety. So I ended up, because I like amber beer. You do. I Yeah. So I ended up getting the West 6th Amber, and it was really kind of a caramel color. Mm-hmm. And flavor, not overly sweet, but those caramel notes like that. A lot of people will call that biscuity, I guess. Yeah, but I don't think of it that way. It's it's not really a bready flavor to me. Well, maybe it's in the aftertaste. I don't know. Yeah, or maybe as you're sniff, smelling or inhaling while you're you're after you swallowed, you might get a little bit of that. Yeah. But at only 5.5% ABV, it's, um, you know, it's at the higher end of sessionable, but yes. uh, a really good, easy drinking beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so was the West 6th Cerveza. And that's kind of their version of a Mexican lager. Um, a lot of people uh, who drink like Negro Modelo or, or Modelo Especial, 
that would be a, a oh, comparable yeah. beer uh, yeah, to that. that. Darker, but yeah, that 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 was really good. And I think that as a post race recovery beer, or just when you're mowing the lawn, that's something that's nice. You yeah. can do uh, under five percent ABV, mm-hmm. uh, nice light body. Mm-hmm. And uh, West Sixth has great ties to the community and they like to give back to the community in a lot of different ways. So it stands to reason that they would have a beer called pay it forward cocoa Porter. And now you're talking my language. I love the dark beers. 6% dark chocolate. It was not really heavy, not like a dessert type flavor, but it was a medium body Porter and had some coffee notes to it. I really liked it. Yeah. No, that was a really good one. Yeah. And then they had something that was just I've never heard of called the Kentucky Table Beer. Yeah, I don't know where that name comes from. I would love to ask them. But this one reminded me of Hogarden that you uh, used to get a lot. Oh, I'll still get it if I see it on tap. But well, yeah, yeah. The, the, I mean, this, uh, I think they were using some of the Belgian yeast in this one. Mm. And that's what gives it some of that banana and clove um, tones. When it was you're like that. Drinking it. Yeah. And that one's right at uh, what four point nine four point nine. Mm-hmm. So again, uh, you know, higher end of sessionable, but you know, nice and light and mm-hmm. really, really tasty. Yeah, yeah. So so when you're having your seafood, and you walk over, you've got some phenomenal options over yeah. there. Yeah. But now we had some adventure yesterday because we were getting ready to go to the to the. Uh, airport and all of a sudden our flight gets delayed and <laughs> we had to kill some time so it was a late flight that just kept getting later it was almost a <laughs> flight in today yeah but we uh we, we suffered for you guys we and we suffer we, we enjoy we did and, <laughs> and that gave us an opportunity to head to one of our favorite places um, as far as breweries go and that's the Lec- all tech lexington brewing company mm-hmm. and they make some of the best beers i think um some of my favorites uh, as go-to beers and oh, yes Namely, the Kentucky Indeed. Bourbon Barrel Ale, which is the probably their most popular. Sure. You've, I think, heard us talk about it before. But um, they had some other options that were there in the, uh, in the brewery that we got to sample. And then we got to go on a tour. Again, we were doing some research and killing some time because of that airplane. But um, their Kentucky Ale which is a the base for that KBB, that Kentucky oh, Bourbon Barrel Ale. It's so good. We've never had it. Yeah, but you can tell that it's the base because I said I love this, and he said, and and Dana said, I know why. It's because it's the base for KBB. And but we've never had it. You never see it, at least in, in places here locally. I no. never see it out it's always the bourbon barrel variety mm-hmm. of this so this is the this is the red ale that or they call it a combination of an irish red and an english pale ale and i like a red ale so well yep. i mean yeah. this gives you just such great flavor uh light red color and just really smooth but um that only 
is it comes in at about a six percent. So yeah. that starts to creep up uh, right there. It and can. Then, and then when we get to the KBB, you'll see you'll see what that time in the barrel <laughs> does to <laughs> it. But they had an offering I had never seen before. Actually, they had a couple offerings I had never seen before. Yeah. Um, and the this was their Kentucky Kolsch. Yeah, but we've had a Kolsch like at at J Dubs in Sarasota. They do a poolside Kolsch. Yes. But it, I mean, I, it, it's a German style beer mm-hmm. and it's got a flavor of yeast. It's got the flavor of malt. It's not a hoppy finish. No, not at all. No. And it's lower. It's, it's lower on the scale. It's a f- uh, like just over four. Right. And that, I mean, super sessionable, mm-hmm. really easy drinking, very refreshing. Yeah, I, I think that's the best word I could use to describe it. It's refreshing. It was very, very good. I still think the Kentucky Ale, I liked a whole lot, and the the Kentucky Kolsch was it was a it was pretty good up there. But I mean, if you're we were tasting them side by side, you couldn't get uh, well, you could get more different, but they were very distinct. I mean, mm-hmm. there was no confusing. Oh, which beer is mine? Yeah, yeah, in the color and in the flavor, absolutely. So. I, mm, so after we tried this next one, I'm going to tell you after we tried this next one that we went on their website with the tour guide that led us through the Lexington Brewing Company tour uh, to locate where it was in our hometown. We were dreaming of a growler fill after we tried it. And that may still happen this week. Kentucky Blackberry Porter. And blackberry is a thing in Kentucky. And do you know why? It is their state fruit. Yeah, it's their state fruit. So It's like orange things here in Florida. Yeah. This is over 8%. So you, yeah, in, in indulge responsibly, I guess. But well, always indulge responsibly, but you're not drinking. <laughs> you're not drinking a, a four pack of these. Uh, not a, not all at and once, and not all on your own. No. If you want to do anything, <laughs> like have a little bit of fun and see the town, but it, it was not the smell of blackberry on the nose, but then you got it immediately when you tasted. That blackberry porter. And it tasted like real blackberry. Real blackberry. Not a syrup, not artificial flavor. Not an extract, not, it was so, so good. It, it really is. And it's it's not a sweet beer. I don't think you would even call it a dessert beer. Mm. Um, no, because I think it would stand up to like a hearty entree, like a steak or, Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that was really good. And, but what was lighter was the Kentucky coffee cream ale, which I think is fairly new. Uh, if it's not new, it's, it's one that we haven't seen out in distribution here in, in our part of Florida yet. I think yet. our tour guide I think said, he said it, it is fairly new to him. Yeah. So that I, that I liken to their vanilla cream ale Mm -hmm. and that uh, but instead of being aged with vanilla beans it's aged with coffee Mm -hmm. yeah so good 
Yeah, and again, and light. light in color, yeah, light in body, just a little over, I think that one's a little over 5%. I think you said that, um, yeah. ABV as well. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you just mentioned it, the vanilla barrel cream ale. So it's like an adult cream soda. And that's exactly how he described it. Yeah, so you get the bourbon barrel, subtle hints of that, but it's not overly sweet yet. It just reminds you of childhood as well. Yeah. And again, about five and a half percent ABV. So again, you might have one or two of those, you know, no more, certainly not you know, if you're driving, but the, <laughs> uh, the, um, the flavor on that is just so spot on, uh, to describe that as cream soda is perfect. Yeah. It's delicious. But what was interesting, it was, as we get to the, the last of the beers that they, uh, that they make, they said that the majority of the Kentucky ale is not so that they, they don't sell very much. It's of not it. a big seller because most of it goes into making the Kentucky bourbon barrel ale, which is barrel aged. And it puts it from, it takes the Kentucky ale from 6% up to 8%. Yeah. So that one's an attention getter. And it has a, a more amber color, a more it's a darker amber color. And they say that is not due to any additives. That no. color and the flavor and the extra alcohol is everything that it's pulling from the from barrel. From the barrel. From the barrel, which is awesome. I think you get some sweeter corn flavor, the bourbon barrel flavor. The caramel mm-hmm. of, of bourbon. <sighs> and they even described it, you know, when they talk about the the process of making bourbon and they they have to have that that new white oak uh barrel freshly charred that's charred barrel what that charring process is doing is caramelizing the natural sugars and the wood Mm -hmm. that's inside the barrel and that's what that's what is getting into the final product delicious so those were the beer offerings that they had but what a lot of people don't know is that they are also a distillery. Town Branch, which I think um, the owner's wife actually named that distillery. I believe that was what they said. In the and tour? After a, a, a creek or a, a small river that runs through town. Yeah. But um, they have 14 different options. Oh, my from, Lord. Um, actually making Irish whiskeys, mm-hmm. uh, a gin, Offering rum, rum, um, rye, and then of course bourbon. Uh, bourbon. Mm-hmm. But there was one item that just kind of stood out, and it was so different than the rest. It was called the Kentucky Sundown, and I don't even know what the like percentage of alcohol was because it. I mean, it's black. And it came in a, a shot glass, and our our tour guide added a little bit of hot water and floated heavy cream on the top of it. Yeah, they actually give you very specific instructions on how to prepare and uh-huh. drink a Kentucky Sundown, which was adding boiling water yeah. to this uh, the, this product that's that's black. They describe it as an extract. It's uh, it's. You know, the liqueur that has a lot of coffee, a mm. lot of sugar, mm-hmm. um, and then you add that hot water to it and you put that float of heavy cream. They want you sipping the hot 
beverage through the cool cream. Mm. That was specifically what he said for us to do on the tour. And I think that you you filmed me trying it when we were over at the distillery, and I said I likened it to a tiramisu. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and the flavors you you were spot on. It's it was a lot like an espresso soaked lady finger. Mm-hmm. And, and that cream kind of reminded me a little bit of the mascarpone from a mm-hmm. from a tiramisu. So good. But so we finished the tours. We tried and sampled our way through the tour, mm-hmm. but we still had time to kill. So we went to a very highly recommended country boy brewing, and we had a little experience with this before we got to the brewery. This was the canned beer that we had oh, yeah. while we were at Red State. Yes, yes. We had their Shotgun Wedding. Shotgun Wedding and Cougar Bait. Cougar Bait, which I think are their flagship type of year-round. Well, no, Shotgun Wedding may be seasonal. That one might be. That Maybe one, seasonal, that but the one, one is a porter, have. I believe, aged on vanilla. Mm-hmm. And the Cougar Bait is a blonde ale. Mm-hmm. And I think that that you'll find is the one that they have in restaurants, and they um, it's popular. Oh yeah, we saw Very it. Popular. We saw it around all around Lexington. So we w- we had to visit Country Boy Brewing, and at the time that we did it, I will say it was the height of a UK basketball game. <laughs> UK versus Auburn. Oh yeah, that city was shut down. If a place had a television and alcohol. It had a crowd. Oh, my goodness. And they were an invested kind of crowd. They were. Yeah. So, But a fun group. But they were, yeah. It was a good time to see that kind of investment in the, the local college, university kind of spirit. Mm-hmm. So, so we got. Got a flight. Flight. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, like, I, the what I remember from my flight would be the Lucius Clay Golden Stout and the Laid Back Lager. Okay. Yeah. And mine was the Nacho Bait. <laughs> Which has to be a play on the Cougar Bait, right? <laughs> it was the Cougar. It's the Blonde Ale, uh, but it has habanero pepper. Oh, and so how spicy was it? It it was spicy. It was not as spicy as, say, the ghost-faced Killa, which if you have not had that beer, that is a ghost pepper beer. That will ruin your day if you're not careful. So if you're going to get one of those, drink it carefully. Yeah. Uh, but the nacho bait had really good flavor and had a, a nice warming spice, but it built. And if you were drinking a whole pint of that, uh, you'd have to take it slow. Um, that nacho bait that and uh, then, 5%. And then, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was very light and drinkable, but, yeah. uh, the, but the heat would make you, that would, that would actually get you to slow it down a little bit. Well, I, mean, I like the, if you're looking for something light there, the laid back lager. I liked that. That was a nice lager flavor. Okay. Yeah. So like a light yellow color and just it, it was easy drinking, like super, like a super yellow color, not like a golden color. Now you said the Lucius Clay was memorable, but I, I, and when I saw Golden Stout, I've never actually had one. Um, 
And so I, I got a sip of it, and I thought it was really unique. Um, what did you think of it? Because I know you said it was memorable, but well, and I'm trying to pull up what the what the ABV was because I think I took notes on that. I I I think it it was like a, a coffee stout, but it was a light color. Oh yeah, I mean the, the uh, yeah the coloration on that if you were looking at it you would not think stout no not at all not at all so there i don't i don't think it was that high in terms of the abv well we weren't really trying to kill ourselves with um, high gravity beers either that was not the, oh i'm not wrong. the purpose i'm so wrong it was 11 and a half <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, I wasn't trying to kill myself with high-gravity beers. You, on the other hand, didn't care because we well, had lift to get I mean, us where right. we were going. Oh. <laughs> so. Um, I think you're thinking of a laid-back lager. Maybe I am because I don't think it was that high. I think it was like 5% or something. Mm-hmm. But this, it was, was malty, coffee, cocoa and vanilla flavors. It, it was... Yeah, it was delicious. The flavor didn't match the look of the beer. No, that's the best way I could describe that one. No, no, but I would have it again, and I would have a pint of it. Well, but then I might be on the floor, and then you might be on the floor. (laughs) So maybe I would share one with you (laughs) if if we're ever at Country Boy Brewing. Well, it's absolutely worth checking that place out. Um, it's a great spot. A lot of people were ordering in pizza from a place right across the street. And oh, they, yeah. They were eating and watching the UK game. It was um, just kind of a neat feel and, and I, just a really nice time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're doing some really good beers there. So yeah. absolutely worth checking out. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and I like that country boy feel. <laughs> yeah, well, they definitely the had that. was great, too. Well, we have definitely blown ourselves uh, out of the water here. This is the <laughs> longest episode we've ever done, and we want to thank you for sticking with us. Yes, thank you very much. But we wanted to give you a lot of different options for Lexington dining and enjoying the local food and beverage that is available because we didn't know that there would be such a rich scene And we want to make sure that if you end up going to Lexington for a vacation or to run the bluegrass, because you have prepared for the hills. Yes. And you have accomplished where to explore and indulge there. And we, even though we didn't do the full 13, we absolutely earned every pint that we had. So it was a a fantastic race and a fantastic town and someplace I'm looking forward to going back to at some point, whether it's for the bluegrass again or Mm -hmm. to, to maybe claim that 13 or to maybe just do the, uh, do the yearling or the seven miler again. Yeah. uh, to experience that, but the yeah. um, we've got so much that we shot in terms of video and photos. Stay tuned throughout the week. Mm-hmm. We have a couple of really cool interviews coming oh. up with the chef owners of both Red State and Poppies. Yes, yes, and we can't wait. They were so so gracious with their time and welcoming and and full of information that just made you 
really appreciate what you were eating. And the opportunity to kind of see a little bit more of what we're talking about here Mm -hmm. is going to be coming right to you in our social media channels Mm -hmm. and we'll have the audio we'll have those videos up of those interviews we'll also post that audio as a quick bite in the feed so you'll be Mm -hmm. able to listen to that on the go as well Yes, in the car or on a run, you'll be able to hear what they have to say. And then all, all over social media, you'll be able to see what they're talking about. And next week. Next week, we are off the road. Next week, we're off the road. So we will tell you what we have in store coming up in our race season. I believe that that is code for there's going to be some final decisions made as to where we are traveling to next. He's making fun of me because I've been indecisive because there are so many great races and so many places that we want to bring to you. That's true. And we are just limited by funds and day jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly the day jobs <laughs> and the funds, but so we're going to pick one and we're going to let you know where we're going and we're going to be doing some training uh, so you'll be hearing about us, uh, our, our training runs mm-hmm. and what's going on there. And then we may bring you some local food or we'll bring you maybe a little bit more stuff from, uh, from this trip here. So uh, absolutely, we got some good stuff coming up, but we want to thank you all Thanks so for tuning much in. for tuning in. Yeah. Spending this time with us. And hopefully you had us on a long run today because we're, we're pushing an hour and a half. Yeah. Or a long over. drive commute. So... Um, for the Run, Eat, Drink podcast, I'm Dana, the the guy that carries the gear and sometimes gets to talk with this lovely young lady here. I'm Amy. I'm your host. And thanks for tuning in and come back next week so that we can accomplish, explore, and indulge together. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We're having a great second year thanks to your support. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Run, Eat, Drink podcast. And on Twitter, we're at Run, Eat, Drink pod. Visit our website at runeatdrink.net so you can click on the iTunes link and subscribe so you won't miss a minute where we accomplish, explore, and indulge. Come along with us. See you next time.